there's been a lot of investment by firms around the proactive communications and the high touch communications on the front end side, on the intake side. But a lot of times for firms, once that client's retained, you hear a lot of complaints about communication sort of dropping off the face of the earth. No matter how good your intentions, maintaining frequent and effective communication with your clients can be hard. However, if you want the highest level of customer satisfaction, it's also vital. And so Legal CX really jumps in with a very simple approach to be able to empower a firm at scale to really be in front of that client and, and really kind of in their pocket, as we like to say. Now this client's already hearing from the firm in some high level ways so that they know like these guys are on the case. You're listening to Personal Injury Mastermind, the show where elite personal injury attorneys and leading edge marketers give you exclusive access to growth strategies for your firm. 2020 was a year of change for everyone, but for Jeremy Harms, it was also the year he chose to launch a new company. Having seen the potential for greater attorney-client communication, Core Contact aims to help firms improve customer experience, increasing the frequency, simplicity, and quality of their client interactions. I had the pleasure of chatting with Jeremy about some of the most fruitful strategies for improving client experience, as well as how Legal CX can impact your marketing. I'm your host, Chris Dreyer, founder and CEO of Rankings.io. We help elite personal injury attorneys dominate first page rankings with search engine optimization. An important first step for any lawyer is to really understand the people around them. So let's get to know our guest. Here's Jeremy Harms, co-founder of Core Contact. Let me tell you a little bit about my background and kind of where I came from being a, a bit of an outsider to the legal tech space. Uh, it's been fun for me ever since the beginning of 2020, a heck of a time, January of, of 20, to figure that we were going to start something new, me and a few partners. I've got a couple stealth partners that come from the legal tech space and have worked in the intake industry for a number of years, know this industry really, really well, a couple who are attorneys themselves. And so I, as an outsider, came from cloud analytics, cloud computing, Oracle data analytics, data science, uh, was a director of a business intelligence team for a number of years. And so also running a customer service help desk for our managed services clients, that component of customer service, of course, is just you know, one aspect, one critical aspect of that client journey, but it's normally on the back end when something's gone wrong, right? Something's broke, there's an error, some issue. And so help desk is all around trying to resolve something, of course, once there's been, been a problem. But really this notion of CX or client experience, cu customer experience is the, the name is known as, we like to refer to it as client experience within legal, uh, is really all about just that entire client lifecycle journey, right? From, from the inception all the way through the end of the transaction, quote unquote, or in this case, their particular case. But, but even ongoing after that, as you continue to foster that relationship and, and develop promoters. And so once I and my partners came together in 2020, we really realized that, gosh, for this industry, there seems to be um, a real lack of education and knowledge around CX as a concept. The, these industries that I came from, from cloud analytics, cloud computing, um, and all the industries that we touched and work with, CX is at the top of mind for a lot of organizations in so many other verticals. Um, you even see it, I mean, day in, day out, we don't even think about it, like in our interactions with 
um, services that we engage with, right? When you check into a nice hotel and you get a ping on your, your cell phone, right? That lets you know that your room's ready. When you order a pair of shoes from Zappos, you know kind of every step in the process where those boots are, right? As, as they're on their way to being delivered to you. But even some, some pretty lower end engagements, if you were to order a pizza uh, from Domino's on a game day, right? Domino's kind of stays in your pocket, so to speak, letting you know where in that client journey, short-lived as it may be, 30 minutes or less, or it's free, right, as the old saying used to go, um, lets you know, you know what your expectations are as, as far as that client journey is concerned. And so we came into legal, and I, as a bit of an outsider, uh, talking with my partner, said, guys, it seems like for all these conversations that we have with firms, there's been a lot of investment by firms around the proactive communications and the high-touch communications on the front-end side, on the intake side, right, as clients become retained. But a lot of times for firms, and I think often this is a scaling problem internally at a firm, once that client's retained, you hear a lot of complaints about communication sort of dropping off the face of the earth, right, or sort of a black hole of communication sort of happens on the back-end side. And again, not, not because firms desire to be that way or not because they're trying to. It's just, I think a lot of times, just because the challenges in our fast-paced uh, industry create issues for firms to be able to be proactive and, and to, to do those things that would really solidify that client experience right at the beginning as soon as that client retains with the firm. And so that's really kind of how this notion came about and how we really started to think critically and step back and say, what could we do in that process to just really kind of help enable firms to, to fill that gap and step in that void, Chris? Tell me, how does the legal CX service work? How does it help solve that issue to improve that client experience? One of the things that I, I think I probably should lead off with is like what core uh, providing legal CX isn't trying to do. And so there's a couple great offerings out there in the marketplace. Once the once the cases really started to kick off and there's those one-off updates. So we're talking, you know, within the personal injury world, right? Everybody's case is a little different, very different than say the mass torts kind of situation where there's many updates that apply to kind of everyone, right? But in the personal injury space, there's, you know, some great, great technologies like uh, case status that provides updates on the individual client perspective, Vintegrate, say in the um, a recent announcement, I believe from the FileVine community for a client portal plugin directly to FileVine. There's some other technologies out there that are focused on that long-term client communication for case updates that come out, right? As as that uh, case continues to evolve and take shape. And what Core is really trying to do is that initial engagement before the firm really has any kind of update to provide, right? It's gonna take a little time to bake this cake, right? There's that initial discovery and there's that records retrieval. And there's all this back and forth that needs to happen behind the scenes where the client has realized they've just signed a retainer, either the old fashioned way or electronically, and they're hungry for what's next, right? They're hungry for some follow-up. And so Legal CX really jumps in with a very simple approach to be able to empower a firm at scale, to really be in front of that client and, and really kind of in their pocket, as we like to say, uh, but even uh, within their channels of some old school routes like snail mail, really what it boils down to, Chris, is as soon as someone's retained, that firm wants to immediately be able to welcome that person. And the SMS channel, most clients being you know SMS enabled, right? Mobile enabled, 
is by far and away the greatest, the greatest way to get eyeballs on that particular artifact, right? Or on that particular piece of information. Emails, of course, you know, updates, they they probably have some SMS texting capabilities as well and something like their, their case management systems. But really what we see firms not do so well is immediately thank somebody upon retention. And then more importantly, drop something as, as simple as a V card to that person's phone. And this is for a few different reasons, right? One is, as that firm then wants to reach back out to that client with, with a case update later, right? Or to follow up and ask for some information that they need from that client. Now that client's got that law firm's name, address, all the various numbers that they might communicate on, be them voice, SMS, automated systems, right? That they may have within their case management system. All those numbers are baked within that V card so that that person knows when the when the firm's reaching back out, that's who's reaching out to me, right? Doesn't go to a spam filter, doesn't fall away into kind of an unknown bucket as far as voicemails are concerned. According to Tango, something like 95% of SMS is seen within the first three seconds. Wow. Uh, and, and, and Twilio talks about that percent as far as how much it's even clicked to be opened. Very different than my email inbox, right? Which gets absolutely blasted with a whole bunch of stuff that I don't get to in, in nearly real time, right? And I, I like the V-card component too, because I, I got to be honest, when I get a call, if I see, if there's not a name on the number, I'm ghosting it. Right. Guilty. Guilty and as even the voicemail, I might listen to the first two seconds. And if it, there's a delay, it's, I just, I don't even answer. So I'm looking for that text message or email. Absolutely. Imagine if you, you see that that's the attorney's name pop up in your phone, just as soon as same day that you have signed that retainer, right? Uh, so that, you know, you, you, you just completed an interaction with this firm. It's for this unfortunate event that you've experienced, right? And now you see a communication come in that says, Hey, Jeremy, thanks so much for retaining, retaining us for your fill in the blank case type, auto accident case, whatever that might be, obviously integrates directly from your lead system, uh, your case management system to pull that information into this personalized communication, and then delivers that V card. And, you know, a lot of times, Chris, when we when we're educating firms about the necessity of something as simple as this, you would think of a V cards, a V cards, a V card, right? Uh, you can do a test by simply creating a V card on your, your iPhone. I don't know if you're an iOS guy like, like I am, but uh, obviously a very popular make of mobile phone. Share that out to your buddy who uses Android and see what happens to your pretty picture uh, that you had gone to all the care and trouble to have professional headshots taken of. It wipes it out, right? It, it, there's, there's a lot of nuance between V card version twos versus V card version threes. And when a V card's generated, on an Android-based platform, a Windows-based platform, or an iPhone-based platform, they don't all play and share and share alike. And so, there takes some a little bit of, of knowledge, research, and and uh, you know, for any firms that want to implement, say, this on their own, I would encourage them to make sure they're testing out on all kinds of devices, uh, an array of different devices, to make sure that you've got a consistent delivery there uh, to all your clients because they're not they're not all one type of phone or iOS. Having easy access to active lines of communication can make a world of difference to clients' experience. But that's not the only benefit that brings in though. Jeremy has also offered some valuable insights in how streamlining those channels can improve your marketing and generate new business. You'll also find too that that V-card is so important, not just for the communication you know, inbound to that client, right? And to let them know, hey, we're trying to get a hold of you. You need to 
to engage. But this becomes critical too when you think about your clients as promoters. And this is something I'll talk to you as well about just in regards to say NPS or net promoter score for those who aren't familiar, but your clients having that, that relationship directly in their phone, right? That V card within their phone, then have the opportunity to share that out to their neighbor, friends, family members, when they ask them, hey, when you had that unfortunate car accident that occurred for, for you, didn't you work with a guy a few years ago that you really, really liked, right? Even if you couldn't remember the name of, say, that law firm that you worked with, right? Just by typing lawyer, accident, injury, auto case, whatever the keyword searches are that we should bake into that V card, pop you up then at the top of that list. And so then that referral, client to client referral, becomes as easy as pulling up that V card and sending it on to that to that other person who, who trusts your word, right? And so I know when my water heater broke, it was the same story, contacting all my buddies on the block, right, in my neighborhood and say, hey guys, anybody ever had a water heater issue? Who'd you use, right? And I get two, three cards inbound to me. It becomes a great way to, to help create kind of this, this sort of guerrilla marketing almost of sorts, right? Where your, your, your client referrals become a, a marketing channel for you. That's super smart. I know myself that when I enter someone's information in my phone, I always append at the beginning what they do, like attorney or doctor. And then it makes the searching really easy because a lot of times we're not going to have a ton of those. We're just going to have a few sure. and it's really sure. easy to find them. We had Joey Coleman on a podcast last October, yeah. author okay. of Never Lose a Customer Again. And he talks about how strong client relationships are not only important for retention, Right. can become your marketing strategy. Yeah, for, for sure. So, you, you know, I think one of the things, and, and I, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't take a moment to mention Joey Coleman in, in his book, Never Lose a Customer Again. It was actually one of the, the driving forces in early 2020 uh, when getting to know the space and doing some initial market research. Finding his book was like a complete breath of fresh air because Again, coming from a CX background in other industries and being new, quite novice to the to the legal industry, right? As an outsider coming in, to find someone who was, as as I think he likes to put it, a recovering attorney, right? Uh, and, and someone who has really dedicated his career and life to orchestrating client experiences and orchestrating client journeys. Um, this was completely music to my ears. And I think uh, kudos to Joey for you know, continuing to help evangelize these concepts within our space. Because I think if you really think about it, Chris, outside of maybe the medical community, um, when, when a doctor's bedside manner or the lack thereof could really mean the difference in uh, a life-changing treatment or a life and death kind of stake, right? Outside of say the medical community, I can't think of another industry other than legal where this client experience, client communication, and reassurance that we build with our clients is more important, right? Right. I mean, ordering pizza is great. It's a it's a transaction, and I I, I quickly forget that thirty minutes after I'm I'm done eating that 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 pizza. Right. My my shoes from Zappos are fantastic, but uh, they eventually wear out. And then my my stay at a really nice hotel uh, is is again that transaction that that occurs right then. But but this journey that a person takes with their attorney really is about a, a very vulnerable part uh, of their life, right? A very, a very vulnerable issue, perhaps, that, they, that they've gone through. And so they, they need your help. And so Joey's, Joey's message around uh, client journey, client experience, 
couldn't be any more important. And I think it was really reading that book, Never Lose a Customer Again, that that got mine and, our, and, and my partners thinking about, gosh, what would this potentially look like um, if there was you know, a capability that you could, you could bring to, to the industry? One of the things that we found also, Chris, in, in our research was just the, the lack of ability that firms typically have to be able to get information about their client base. And this is for a couple important reasons. One is, is if you can survey your clients in a very effective manner, and again, I'm talking mobile, right? We're, we're kind of keying on this as a, a primary vehicle or, or channel here. If you can survey those clients in a very effective manner, then you have the ability to take this data and aggregate it so that you can get a better understanding of current clients, their likes and dislikes. Joey actually talks about this in one of his chapters of his book about finding out more about that person holistically, like what makes them tick, who they are, preferences, um, uh, dislikes, et cetera. Uh, and so then you can take this data not only for marketing analysis purposes, for customer segmentation analysis type of of purposes. And I come from a data analytics background, so I kind of geek out and nerd out about that stuff, right? Um, but it also provides a very valuable set of touch points where you could choose to leverage this information in a very personalized experience approach, right? After you've had a few interactions with this person uh, early on in their life cycle, after they've retained, they received the V card, they've gotten a couple high level updates about the firm or what to expect, setting expectations to that client, sharing things. We'll, I'll talk in a second uh, related to social media uh, and some important considerations there uh, that we should think about. Once you've garnered some of these touch points initially and then present somebody with just a quick three minute survey, right? Would, would you answer some questions so that we, your firm could learn more about you and help serve you better, right? Then you can collect this information about maybe some of their family dynamic, right? Maybe whether they are a veteran of the US military, right? And how could we potentially use that information? Uh, are, they, are they pet owners, right? And, and do, they, do they have cats or dogs? Maybe you wanna use that in some sort of gifting kind of thoughtful approach. Um, and then even information that, that helps serve you both better around maybe some of their habits, be it on social media, when it comes to television media, have they cut the cord like so many of us have, or are they still traditional kind of cable user? If they have cut the cord, then what do they prefer to watch as far as their, their streaming habits go, right? So getting some, some media information background as well. And so by taking this data and then aggregating it, and then for the firm, being able to see that anonymized by other collected data points as well from, from others in the industry so that you can see kind of how your client segment ranks against others also from a baseline metric perspective, starts to provide some really interesting data insights that firms just didn't have the information for before. Um, most of the surveying that we see that people do is around client satisfaction. And I've got a lot to talk about when it comes to client satisfaction versus something that we really try to encourage firms to pay attention to more, which is net promoter score, right? In NPS, Joey's talked about this a lot as well. This dates back to a Harvard Business Review article, Chris, in like December of 03, I think it was. So nearly like 20 years ago, say rounding up. This idea that the biggest single metric for growth for any kind of organization, no matter, no matter what the vertical, is what's their percentage of promoters 
versus their percent of detractors. And so many, so many different firms we talk to say, yeah, you know, we, we used to send out surveys maybe years ago, the old fashioned way via mail, or more recently, we've been sending out some surveys via email and nobody responds. Well, give sending out an NPS question, which takes less than 30 seconds to answer on a scale of zero to 10, how likely are you to refer our firm to a friend, family, or colleague, right? And then be able to collect that data, again, via mobile, right, in a very simple click submit kind of fashion. This gives firms the ability then to track progress over time as far as how effectively are they doing, right? Uh, how, how well are they engaging those clients, keeping those clients happy, and then building a loyal set of promoters. And promoters are people who, as this article points out, uh, if, if, you, if your listeners haven't read it, Chris, I highly recommend it. If you just Google HBR net promoter, you'll find this article again from 03 talks about even that people who may uh, age out or or graduate out, if you will, out of a particular service or a product still can be promoters of that particular brand. Uh, think about, say, Honda. As you grow in your career or in your earnings, you may eventually decide to buy something else that's in a different class or category. But when your niece or nephew gets their first car and they ask you, like, what do you recommend? Well, gosh, 20 years ago, I owned three Hondas in a row because they were the most reliable thing that I could have bought, right? And they're, they're still great cars today. You may not even be a user or buyer of that brand anymore, but you're still a loyal supporter, promoter of that brand. And so being able to track your NPS to see, gosh, how effective are we? And then be able to, if you think about data, Chris, it boils down to this notion of granularity, right? When we capture this information for this particular client, what are the other data points that relate to this person? Which branch or office did they did they engage with, right? Which, which particular part of our business are they from? Who's the attorney that's assigned to that case? The case manager that's assigned to that case. So we can start to then do some interesting slicing, dicing, and pivoting of that data by these other data points, right? Because that's within our case management system that we can collect so that we can see what's our NPS look like by these other, these other entities within our organization. One of the things that's really interesting is a lot of the review platforms, whether it's GatherUp or BirdEye, in the past, they would do these net promoter type scores and then immediately follow up with the review request. And if you were a, a, an advocate or you know hit, hit that nine or 10, they would send you to, to go leave a review. But if you if you had a less, you know they would send to a form where you could talk to an individual. So it's like review gating. And Google came out and said that was against their terms of service. You can't gate someone's experience. But from what you're doing it, you're segmenting. So you're doing the NPS earlier. So it's not like, it, it's also when, you, when you're doing this survey and you're getting data and you don't follow up with an action, it, it's it's like, feels like a bribe. Right. Immediately, no. right after you do that nine or 10, you do, you ask for the review. Yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't agree more, Chris. And that's why we take a very different approach to, to this kind of tracking. And so to us, it's extremely important to be able to ask over the life cycle of the engagement from that, at the end of that first 21 pivotal days, uh, when, when the first NPS request goes out, and then a touch point at the three, six, nine, and 12 month periods as well. So a, a collection of five NPS is spread out on average over 360 days, say. We are able to, to track how that person has, has graded us, the firm, over that period of time, and then provide insights, analytics, tracking that show 
uh, at an aggregate level, how we do quarter to quarter to quarter, right? Month to month to month, even week to week to week. But how also at an individualized level, how that client has has trended up or down, right? Was this someone who started off early, excited, uh, enthusiastic, promoting our brand, and then over time, this has continued to drop down or drop from uh, a good level to an okay level, you know, from the promoter to the neutral, now down to a detractor, and then the ability to inform and empower the firm to be able to go take action on that. So instead of, like you said, asking the client for kind of the most opportune time to please leave us a review. And like you said, there's many other providers that, that kind of play more in that space, really empowering the firm to do what the firm wants or needs to do to improve this interaction and give them that, that metric and that, that analysis on a timely basis is really what we're more concerned with. And then also continuing to provide that client, not with just that you just had this interaction, interaction X transactionally with our firm. How would you rate that one experience, right? We're trying to ask about this from, a, again, a more holistic, well-rounded approach over, over the, the life cycle of that engagement to see, are we, are we meeting your expectations? Are we, are we doing what it takes to earn your trust and earn your loyalty, uh, essentially? I like that because in that life cycle, in that journey, you can spot where there's weaknesses and then go in there and improve those situations. The other thing that I was thinking exactly. about is, look, not all client experiences are the same in terms of who's happy and who's not. So if you have like this extra little concierge type personal touch, well, if you know who needs that, then you can really help prioritize your time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you have you have that level of data point, then once you are tracking and trending that information, again, at that, uh, when I talked about data granularity, right, we, we, we record this at the lowest possible level of data point, who this person was on this particular date for this NPS, right? And so now we have the ability to see seasonally across the, the journey life cycle, that journey engagement for that client, has that score stayed consistent? Has it gone up? Uh, has it gone down? Has it done it within a statistically reasonable standard of deviation that we need to pay attention to. If it's small fluctuations, maybe that that's not as important. But again, just arming that firm with that information and doing so on an alert-based kind of, of approach to give their, their customer service team or their, you know, their, their client success team uh, an opportunity to reach out and say, hey, we, we noticed we've slipped a little bit here, right? Owning it, right? Like uh, we, we want to do what's needed here. Um, and, you know, what, what's it take for us to improve on this? The MPS itself, and again, we didn't invent this by any means, right? It's a great idea from, gosh, 20 years ago from the Harvard Business Review, which is, uh, again, permeates most every other industry uh, that I've ever seen. But asking that one question, you know, how likely are you to, to recommend us zero through 10? You can follow that up very simply with an optional word box question of, uh, and why did you give us that score? And what can we do to improve? Even if it was a high ranking, right? A nine or a 10, what other things come to mind that you would like to see? And so again, being a, a data analysis guy, a guy who likes to kind of geek out on, on the numbers and, and on the kind of analytics we can run, having those narrative bubbles, if you will, allow us to do things kind of inventively like, like word cloud or sentiment analysis on that piece of data. Awesome. So we can, we can start to see then topical themes that pop up right over and over and over again for our detractors what are the big 
big scary words that they often say. And you usually start to see some repeating themes that again is a mirror that the firm's holding up for themselves for self-reflection and self-analysis, right? Let's be honest with ourselves. This is what we're hearing from, you know, from our community. For those things that we're doing great, what is that? And that's a, a really pretty picture in that mirror. And we can we can do more of that, improve on that, right? Or how do we do that better at scale? So really trying to arm that firm with with maybe some some insights they didn't know. client that feels left in the dark or forgotten may start to question and regret their choice of law firm. Ask Jeremy how core contact combats buyer's remorse. It really boils down once more to, to, to communication initially and avoiding that radio silence, which I think is so common and so natural after all of that effort's been put into the original uh, the original courtship, Joey actually talks about a really, a really fun uh, uh, metaphor here, you know, related to dating, right? In, in courtship, and read his book. Uh, I won't, I won't retell his story, but you know, this idea that all this attention goes up into the the front end part of that relationship, and then as soon as it's sealed, um, the the communication changes kind of drastically, and and not for the better, oftentimes. And so, being able to, again, based off of this this trigger kind of interaction. This person has just retained with the firm. Now we're able to immediately communicate to them through these channels, right? Uh, sending out, say, that that V card, that welcome text. Thank you for uh, for joining us. You know, you've made the right decision. Sending out uh, a message that indicates here's a high level status of what you can expect, right? On, on a, a typical client journey related to this particular case type. Again, buying that firm some time initially as they do all of the other stuff that they need to do behind the scenes to complete discovery, to collect records, police reports, medical records, et cetera. Now this client's already hearing from the firm in some high level ways, right? So that they know like these guys are, are on the case. Um, one part two that I mentioned briefly a, a moment ago that I forgot to to mention more is even just having them be able to follow you along, say on their on their social journeys, right? So many of us, because we are are on our mobiles constantly, are also in a in a very social mobile space, right? Uh, in our social media spaces, and you may have one or more of those that you pay attention to. You may not pay attention to many of them, whatever the case might be. But that firm being able to send that out to that client just to say, hey follow along with us here, right? We're regularly posting updates about, about our firm, about cases, information uh, that you should be aware of, like and follow, subscribe here. And what we see so much of the time, Chris, and you'll see this in a lot of people's, say like in their, their email signature, is that they'll just link to whatever their facebook.com forward slash you know, firm name link is. And that's usually fine for those who are engaging, say in a desktop or, or laptop mode, right? where you're signed into that browser experience. But if you're sharing links like that, I like to kind of refer to them as weak links. If you're sharing weak links like that to people who are mobile-based, right? Or you're sending that out via text, you'll find when you click on that, it'll pop up in your mobile browser on Android in a Chrome browser, on an iOS in your Safari browser. And I don't know about you, but I've never logged into my social media applications via the browser on my device. So and immediately there's this firewall, right? There's this barrier to entry where now I, I'd have to remember my username and password to log in to be able to hit the like or subscribe and fat chance on, on that happening, you know, 95 times out of 100 probably. Well, if you can use a deep link technology, uh, such as we baked in, in our platform, then 
there's a cloud-based component behind the scenes that's able to determine, is this person on Android, on iPhone, iOS, Google Chrome device, uh, and then be able to send a proper link that will be able to determine, do you have this native application installed on your device? And then pop that Facebook experience up right in the Facebook app, right in the Twitter app. A lot of our firms are starting to, to be more socially minded for millennials, right? On TikTok or Snapchat, where, wherever they may be advertising to. And so you open that experience right there on the native app where I can click like, subscribe, follow along. So again, it's just this kind of impressive experience to the client early on of this firm knowing what they're doing, right? Sending this out in an experience that doesn't create extra work for me to stay engaged, but makes this super easy, super smooth to engage. That's very smart. I never even thought of that, but I myself know that if I have to log in on my phone, it's never happening. And then if I do want to take the extra effort, I'll search from the app. <laughs> right. You go steps. to the app and then going back, right? Far too much friction, right? In that equation, yeah. in that case. Let's talk about, you know, there's a personal injury law firm listening. like, oh, this, this makes sense. This is perfect. I need to improve my client experience. I would like to implement all these things. But how do you, does CORE, how does Legal CX integrate with a personal injury law firm? How is their continuity, right? Because it, you mentioned earlier, Joey Coleman, right? You're dating, dating, courting, you marry, and then here's Bob, here's the new person. How does CORE integrate and help a personal injury law firm as a third-party provider? Yeah, great, great point, Chris. So really the most important thing is that CORE is completely transparent in, in this entire relationship. What I mean by that is that the, the client, as far as they're concerned, is 100% communicating with the firm, right? And so anything that, that CORE provides Legal CX is, is doing on behalf of the firm is completely visible pass-through from the client to that firm. Um, again, really kind of starting with, I know we've harped on this earlier, but even starting off with that V-card approach, Chris, this engagement that CORE is doing on behalf of the firm is very limited in the overall life cycle of that client's case, right? There's going to be any number of meetings, phone calls, text messages from the client portal system or from the case management system, all these other interactions, of course, that absolutely have to still happen within the, the litigation of that particular case. But by starting off with the genesis of that particular V card and putting all of that important information directly within that, that artifact, that touch point, and being able to track, you know, how many times that's actually been saved to people's phones, right? How many times that been that it's a URL, you know, based V card that they that they download. That allows us to initiate that handshake, if you will, and then have our contact update number, any other update numbers within that vCard interaction, and then core can essentially step out of the way, right? So that all those other follow-up pieces of communication that come after core has done this initial lifecycle engagement, all those other communications are still going to that client first and foremost via their, their mobile, via a call or, or text. And, and that really helps complete that handoff, uh, if, if you will, from, from that engagement. Of course, behind the scenes, we're still helping serve the firm as it relates to the data aggregation, right? As it relates to the data reporting uh, platform. So when it comes to the client survey results as they come in or the NPS scores that come in, now the firm is often running with that client with the actual litigation of that, of that particular case. Core is no longer kind of in the loop doing the, the day in, day out updating. Again, like I said, we're not 
We're not doing like the case status updates or the vine to grade updates via a client portal. It's really in the firm's hand at that point and cores just help facilitate a better initial handshake, if you will, at the beginning. It's kind of how I like to think about it. Yeah, fantastic. So like a nice value add at the beginning. And Jeremy, this has been fantastic. I think you really highlighted all the benefits of a, a high quality client experience and, and a lot of tactical things too. But uh, if people have more questions about Legal CX and Core, uh, where can people go to, to find out more information and where can people get in touch with you? Yeah, no, I appreciate it, Chris. The easiest thing for uh, anybody who who's interested in learning more about this or would like to have a conversation about just you know best practices around like what we see within the industry uh, can go to legalcx.com, uh, just L-E-G-A-L-C-X.com. Um, find us there. There's a you know get connected with us button there at the top. We're pretty active on our social media channels as well. You'll be able to find us from from that page also. Uh, and then starting to blog more and more uh, about topics around this space. So I would encourage people to, to check out the blog and follow us along uh, as we, again, really try to help educate uh, the legal industry and legal tech about some of these core components and ways that firms should think about uh, whether they use some other third-party service to help enable it or they want to bake in some of these capabilities themselves. Really just trying to, at the end of the day, collectively, all of us you know, improve that client experience uh, within our space. Wonderful. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it, Chris. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Once you've had Jeremy describe it to you, investing in your client experience becomes a no-brainer. As well as ensuring your customers are comfortable, it's also a great form of grassroots marketing. Remember, not only is a happy customer more likely to recommend you, but streamlined forms of communication also make it easier for them to do so. I'd like to thank Jeremy Harms for sharing a story with us, and I hope you gained some valuable insights from the conversation. You've been listening to Personal Injury Mastermind. I'm Chris Dreyer. If you like this episode, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from our listeners. I'll catch you on next week's PIM with another incredible guest and all the strategies you need to take your personal injury practice to the next level.